Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you are tuning in today for speaker training, incorporating humor into your talks. And our guest today is Lori Hinson of thesupergalsyndrome.com. Great website name. Today during this program, you are going to learn the value and components of a speaker toolkit, how to establish goals for your message, how to woo your audience, the role of humor in taking a talk from good to great, ground rules for non-comedians, the four key types of humor to use, and your humor toolbox nuts and bolts. Lori's also going to address at the end of the program a frequent concern, which is, does God like funny? <laughs> because that's a question some people have. Is he is he fun or is he just big in God? Okay, so our guest today, Lori Henson, is an accomplished speaker and performer. She's the award-winning author of Super Gal vs. God. She's the owner of independent publishing company Broken Shoe Press and a member of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. She's one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com, and I welcome you, Lori. Thank you so much, Marnie. I'm really happy to be here today. Well, and it's great to spend this hour with you talking about fun, funny humor and just delight. I love it. And uh, so <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about uh, the value and components of a speaker toolkit, because actually we're going to talk about humor but where you have a starting is kind of different from that. You have a starting with a toolkit. So back up for just a minute and tell us mm-hmm. why we need one and what's in it. Okay. Well, I'd be happy to do that. You know, um, in trying to present various messages, and the reason I chose this to start is because, you know, we're we're looking for that way to connect. And my story and the whole Supergal Syndrome uh, tends to be some not-so-funny um, symptoms. <laughs> so I had to find a way to to sort of make fun of myself and all of these ridiculous things that I do. And so as a speaker, I think that there are three things that are important, and, and you know, you can't always use humor. Unfortunately, I can. Um, some messages are just not funny, but um, you know, humor is one of the great tools in the toolbox. The other is transparency and scriptural truth. And if you can use all three of those things, so much the better. Um, my particular message about the supergal syndrome is for controlling women who run themselves ragged. Um, you know, and I'm I call myself a raging supergalaholic. So those kinds of things, I think you can find a way to quickly connect with an audience by having those types of things in your in your toolbox. Um, so if you can't have just humor, <laughs> which I love to have, um, I also use transparency because what what I start out funny, I don't always end up that way um, because mm. the message is very deep and important. And, you know, using scriptural truths to bring it around. So those are the three things that no matter what my topic is for that day, that I like to try and use all three of those. Okay. Yeah. And so basically what you're saying, I think, is that humor is one of the things that you incorporate into a speech unless you're just doing a humorous speech course. Yeah, exactly. uh, But it shouldn't just you shouldn't try. You didn't shouldn't even shoot for being hilariously funny the whole time. No. 
No, I, I, you know, unless you're really trained at that kind of thing, I don't think you probably will succeed. Um, yeah. But I, I think, you know, I think taking an audience through um, a gamut of emotions can really be a way to reach out to them um, and, and have it touch them in some way. Do you feel like it's ever manipulative? Um, no, because I, I don't, I don't put things in there for that purpose. I want to tell them truth about myself. Um, and sometimes I'm ridiculous. And, and so I want to let them know, um, ways that I've done that because I'm sure they've done it as well. And, um, you know, but I also am going to get to an emotional part. Um, at least my, the, the topics that I speak on do become that way. So, you know, I think it's it's um, a way of relieving some of that. Humor is a way of relieving some of the tension in a very deep message. Um, hmm. Absolutely. You know, that, yeah, that can bring up some things for um, audience members. So you want to kind of keep it moving from one thing to the other so you don't, you're not stressing, uh, you know, we, we don't want to make them sad. We don't want to depress them. We want to bring them a joyful truth. Um, but, you know, I think a little bit of each and, and to keep it moving in that way helps to relieve some of that and helps to keep their attention. So how do you actually go about establishing goals for the message then? Well, what do I do is um, I call it my my uh, road to romance. Um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, speaking and audience is like any other relationship um you know i call it going from aliens to admirers and we only have a very <laughs> short short amount of time to do that you know obviously we're walking into a room full of of strangers there so my goal is always because i'm because i'm delivering god's truth i want to find a message that's memorable and relatable and transformative those those are my particular goals, and I think they're goals that most speakers are going to want. You know, you certainly want people to remember you and what you had to say. Um, you want to be relatable to them. You know, it needs to be a topic that that everyone has experienced or wants to hear or wants to know more about, and that makes it relatable. Um, and transformative is why why we're there you know if we can help somebody to um, come to a realization about something in their life about a truth um, about the lord in their life then that's to me i've done my job if i can do all three of those then i believe that i've accomplished what i set out to do that day do you feel like these words memorable relatable and transformative are for you kind of like your speaking mission they are. They yeah. definitely are. Um, you know, particularly those of us who tell personal stories, which I do. But I think in, in no matter whose story you're telling, if you're telling a Bible story, um, we can connect that to their lives in some way um, and and finding ways to make it memorable and relatable and well, God will handle the transformative part. But, you know, no matter whose story you're telling, that's what you want to do. And that's, for me, what I always set out to do because I had no other reason to be doing this. 
you know, I, I right. was given a message to share, and, and that's why I want to do it. Yeah. So for mine, um, my, my three words are encouraging, practical mm-hmm. health, and God-focused. And so yeah. that's when I'm, those are my mission words. And so if you're listening and you don't have your mission words yet, um, over at Marnie.com in the membership zone, or you can buy it independently as the, the boot camp to help you figure this out, because it is really important that you come to the platform and, you know, it's back to the authenticity trans transparency thing you were talking about earlier, yeah. that it's really important that you step on that platform fully aware of who you are in Christ and fully ready to be that person for his glory instead of you trying to be Lori or you trying to be Marnie or you trying to be Beth Moore or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. you need to be whoever God created you to be. How is it that you came up with these for yourself or these uh, things that came to you during your Bible study or how did you come up with these three uh, very great words, memorable, relatable, transformative? Yeah. One of the, well, um, I think, a lot of that was feedback that I've gotten. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the first first thing I did was write, write a book. And, and one of the things I wanted to do was find out what people were taking from that. And that was the, the feedback that I got on the, on the sales sites. And so I saw a lot of the same words over and over again. And I mm. thought, well, there, yep. you know, what a great place to get um, – my message is to take <laughs> it from that. the people who have read it. Um, right. And so, it, you know, it was really exciting for me to be able to do that because going in, I had no, I had no clue. I had no clue about a lot of things. But that in particular, um, you know, as to finding out what, you know, I tell this story, but there's got to be more to it than that. Um, you know, everybody has their own story. But it, it's amazing how many um, of those stories converge with something else someone has experienced. I got so many letters and emails from people I'd never met. Um, and so that, that to me, when I go out there, I immediately want everybody to know, hey, you know, no matter what, I, I'm telling you a story here today, but I'm putting you, I'm up here because... God knows I'm one of the worst super gals in the world, and I and I still struggle with it. So by revealing my struggle to them, and I always tell them flat out, you know, Satan tells me every day, every time I step on up to this podium, that I shouldn't be here. You know, that who am I to tell somebody else what to do when I'm still trying to figure it out? But, you know, that's why God uses me, because the the ladies in the audience can look at me and go, oh, yeah, <laughs> I know her. You know, we we all do. We all do. I've maybe same. seen her in my mirror. <laughs> yes, exactly. I may be just a little bit worse, a little bit more of a caricature than they are. But you know, other than that, we're we're all the same. And if I can't be honest, I I don't need to be up there. So yeah, I really I really love those three um, words. For me, and again, I think it's a great idea to think about developing that three-word mission for your speaking ministry. Because you really, you know, there are a lot of speakers out there, and you really do want to know what exactly what are you there to do? You know, what what right. sort of speech are you giving? What are you trying to teach that day or or share that day? Um, yeah. 
Well, I know later in this program we're going to talk about ground rules for non-comedians, but just right now I wonder if you would be able to share an example, maybe a two- or three-minute example, of a humorous story that you tell during one of your talks that um, helps to uh, reinforce a point. Okay, you caught me a little off guard with that one. Um, well, one of the let me tell you one of the things that I do, and I and I may get into this a little bit more later. When sure. I when I walk out onto the stage, now you have to picture Supergal as a woman who thinks she can do it all. Okay, feels like she has to do it all, um, and and takes on the responsibility for everybody else. All right, that's mm. that's mm-hmm. that every woman. So one of the first things that I do is I come out in a big pink feather boa, and I, wherever I am, I usually start out in the audience or backstage. And the first thing that I do is I say, nobody does it better, makes me feel sad for the rest. And then I go on with a few more lines of that little song. And so huh? now people are sort of scratching their heads thinking, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Why nobody does. Exactly. <laughs> and then so I, 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 I have a laugh and I say nobody does it better, right? So what I do is then I try to – I start to get the audience involved in that point and I start to list super gal traits. You know, okay, ladies, here's what a super gal is and I want you to – to raise your hand when you hear something that mm-hmm. sounds familiar. And that's how <laughs> I that's how I started off. So here I am kind of outrageous. I have this pink boa on, um, which people tend to remember because it's leaving yeah. feathers all over the place. <laughs> As I'm walking, yep. they're flying off of me. But that is um, you know, that's how I that's how I pretty much always start out, no matter what I'm mm-hmm. teaching. Um, just to make sure it's it's clear what it is, and that usually just gets them going. Um, well, and the, I mean, I'm sure that that accomplishes multiple things at one time, which is, of course, the goal of humor is not just to be a funny aha moment and then you forget about it or move on without it connecting to anything else. I mean, I love how you set the stage for this is going to be a somewhat fun presentation. We're not just going to be deep down in uh, in-depth Bible study highlighting ver- words in the Bible. So, yeah. you know, you come in and you're like already setting the stage for what people should expect. And mm-hmm. then you do it kind of through the back door. Where you um, kind of overstate, you know, nobody does it better than me. You kind of overstate uh, the problem we all have so we can all laugh at our own problem. And then you're able to get a little deeper in our hearts than you ever could have if you had just come in and said, you know what, you have a problem. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, we know that, but it's it's sort of, oh, you know, I think I'll pull out my phone. Absolutely. I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you. Okay. I I do that because I'm not a joke teller. So you know, I don't. I'm not. I'm not a great joke teller. I'll never remember punchlines to anything. I have to be talking about me, um, <laughs> which is I will tell you about one of in in one of when we get to the rules for the non comedians. <laughs> Sounds but, good. Well, yeah. this is this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with Lori Hinton of thesupergalsyndrome.com. dot com. We'll be right back.
Okay, we're going to take just a moment and do a focus on programs right now. Oh my goodness, tomorrow is the annual Bible Study Expo. You can go to BibleStudyExpo.com. We've got eight amazing authors with their books that we're going to do interviews with tomorrow. And giving away a whole bunch of books over there. Tell your friends. Be sure to join the Facebook and Twitter parties. And it's all available free and online to you tomorrow at BibleStudyExpo.com. And if you miss it, that's okay because everything's recorded and you can come back and just listen to whichever segments you want to catch later. Also, as mentioned earlier, you can catch the Vision Mission Boot Camp over at Marnie.com. That's um, in the program. And there's also things over there like Speaker Booking Boot Camp, uh, Time Management Course, uh, Summer Planning Boot Camp, Hassle-Free Holiday Boot Camp, Bible Study Expo, and Wealth Expo, and more. So just check that all out over at Marnie.com. Well, today's program is on incorporating humor into your speeches, and our guest today, Lori Henson, is a great one for that because she is of the website, thesupergalsyndrome.com, and uh, she's written a book called Supergal versus God. Uh, now, she recently retired from owning a highly successful account rep company in the legal industry, and she is pursuing God's call to minister to women, helping them to overcome the Supergal syndrome. So mm. let's talk now. You have a thing that you call wooing your audience, and yes. I'd love for you to teach that to us today. Okay. Well, I'd be happy to do that. Again, well, I called it the the road to romance with your audience, and I and I just want to lay out a little bit what that might look like, and if we can just um, use the analogy of of a romance. Um, so, you know, the kind of thing happens is the first glance. Okay, so you see one another across the room. So this is you now. You've you've you're either waiting to be introduced or you've just been introduced. And you know how we immediately begin to size one another up. We're looking at the audience. The audience is looking at us. So what's just so true, right? And we're thinking, is that is that little lady in the second row sleeping? You know, or or oh my goodness, this person looks really unhappy today. Um, is there a spark ignited? And is there curiosity aroused? Another thing you're thinking, are there pleasant facial expressions and easy body language? And that goes on both sides. So we mm-hmm. really need to think about what are we looking like when they're introducing us um, and and be ready for that, which is why I like to do the surprise at the beginning. I, I stay away from the, the stage because I'm going to come up singing. I have a very loud voice. I mean, a lot of times I'm mic'd, but I don't really need to be at that point. So Mm -hmm. that is the first glance. And then if all those things are looking pretty good, we're going to move to flirting. And that's where I want to grab (laughs) their attention and we're going to make it memorable. So one of the things I like to do is, is give the audience a glimpse. In my case, I use music. Um, Somebody else may use a visual. Oh, and I, I did want to mention the other thing, in addition to this boa that I'm wearing, I also have a mannequin on the stage with, with big um, pink pumps um, and a pink and white polka <laughs> dot dress. And she's she serves as my super gal during the talk. So she's my alter ego over there. And she also <laughs> is a good resting place for my boa. Um, 
but I want to give them a visual of the message that they're about to hear. So they kind of see this Mm -hmm. stuff, this pink stuff, and kind of figure, okay, maybe I can relax a little bit, okay, because this is, (laughs) like you said, it's not going to be so heavy right away and again we don't we don't want them pulling out their your cell phones to look at facebook in the first few minutes you're up there so you really want to grab their attention um so a visual could be a powerpoint you know something find something that you can put up there that immediately is going to say this is what my message is about okay um and then you know i'm like i said i'm singing We've got the memorable part probably already um, at this point because if, you know, you talk to people that I've spoken to, it's like, oh, yeah, that woman in the pink boa, I remember. <laughs> so we move from flirting to first date, and the, the what I consider the first date is getting them involved. And I started telling you a little bit about that in the last segment, but I tell them I'm going to describe a super gal because, you know, what does that mean? And I ask them that when they recognize a trait, such as uh, multitasker, and the traits are all pretty good, um, I ask them to give me the queen's wave. So, and I then ask them to practice. Yeah, let's practice. (laughs) And so, you know, now I've got the whole audience waving their hands, and I say we begin, and then I start to go through a, a list of super gal habits that sound good on the surface. So I start out with, you know, multitasker, achiever, self-reliant. You know, this all sounds good stuff. And the hands are up waving. But then what I do, and this is where the switch up occurs, is right in the middle of that, I start to, and I start to lower my own hand. And again, this is a visual. Controlling, stress people pleasers, resentful, you know, so now my hand's coming down, their hands are coming down, and we're all sort of on the same page, and we're all nodding our heads, oh yeah, (laughs) there's the good stuff and the bad stuff, and all of this kind of visual is adaptable to anything that you're Mm -hmm. talking about, so I really consider first date getting the audience involved as quickly as I, as I possibly can, um, because what what just happened there is the message became personal to them right. uh, that quickly. We're suddenly talking about them and not yeah. me anymore. Yeah. So I, I took that really obnoxious beginning <laughs> of singing how wonderful I am, you know, and now they realize right. that that was that was an exaggeration. Um, so I'm letting them know that I care about their needs because I'm talking about them. And I'm relating all of the things that happened to me to them. And they've told me so because they've raised their hands. So that makes it relatable from right from the beginning. Um, and then I really, at that point, you can move the relationship forward because we've established that connection. Um, and from there, we're we're looking to deepen the relationship. We're going to start getting into some of the meat um and we can or we can call it the process of falling in love um we get to know one another on a deeper level and so i i use i i continue to use music and that's me you know one of the things that i do is um you know i can bring home the bacon fry it up in a pan and that, you know that kind of thing and everybody yeah. of course remembers that little that little sure. ditty 
And so, you know, that, that sort of brings them back into nodding again. Um, and then at that point, my message has been funny. I'm out there speaking as my ministry because it's also a message of deep pain. You know, trying to be all things to all people, first of all, isn't possible um, and and has created a lot of issues um, in my life and has created issues in, in the lives of most women who are trying to do right. too much or who are trying to do what the world tells them to do. So transparency now becomes the next tool that I use from my speaker toolbox to make this message relatable to them. So we've gotten the humor and now we've got transparency because, you know, I'm I'm exposing my warts and my foibles and you know, knowing that my relationship with this audience depends on sharing the good and the bad. So, you know, we've laughed together and you know, we cry together at this point and I also then pull it back up though you know I don't want to stay in such a heavy place so I'll go back to another visual um, one of the things I, I do when I'm when I uh, talk about I, I I really was a ridiculous person <laughs> and the reason I went to church was after 9-11 I was on church my whole life but you'll love this one after 9-11, I decided to go church shopping. I'd never gone. And I really wanted to try singing gospel. I, n- I didn't sing at all at that point, but I wanted to sing gospel music. So there I was, 47 years old, and I joined an African-American Baptist church so I could sing on oh, the choir. Girl. And so <laughs> what I usually do, I lo- I'm still there, but I, I w- will put a picture of my choir up on the PowerPoint at that point, which is, you know, it's pretty funny to see me there in the middle. You can't miss me. And my <laughs> husband even photoshopped in a picture of Where's Waldo um, in the front of the choir. So it usually takes a moment for somebody to spot it up there. And I, I love visuals. I mean, I, I just love that as far as humor is concerned. So after I've been kind of sharing these sad things, we we, we mm. pull up this picture. Or I talk about using God as a holy help desk because it's like, uh, oh, oh, wait a minute, May, maybe now I might need some help. You know, normally as a yep. super gal, I don't need one. So let's, and so and then you know, obviously you pull up the visual is this, of this cocky guy sitting at a at a help desk, you know, waiting for the phone to ring. Um, so from that point, so we've deepened the relationship to that point, and then what I want to do is I want to take it to the point of marriage. All right. So now we're we're getting towards the end and and I think of it as we're now in this for better or for worse. Um we've we've ridden this roller coaster of emotions together and we've talked about scripture and and things that can be many things that can be found in scripture um about the super gal syndrome. Didn't know that, did you? <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> It's there. Um, so what I want to do then, using scripture, is bring about the change, or, or you know, present to them the change uh, that I'm looking for, and that's what makes it transformative. And and along the way, I have to show myself 
as having made that change because if I don't, they're not buying into it. So, you know, we've we've gotten through the memorable and relatable and through them relating to me, um, my prayer is to leave them with hope that they right. can be changed right. through the love of Christ, um, through right. totally surrendering their lives. So that's that's the wooing your audience um, <laughs> and looking at it, it in that way. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, yeah, I like how you do how you do first glance, then flirting, then your first date, then you deepen the relationship, and then you kind of go on a couple more dates. Yes, <laughs> just to light things guess. up a little bit. Then you get married, Definitely. and you probably go on a couple more dates after that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's awesome. Well, this is this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Lori Hinson of the Supergal Syndrome Dog. Come, you want to check that out? She's also a speaker over at WomenSpeakers.com, and uh, we're going to come right back and talk about the role of humor in taking a talk from good to great, as well as some ground rules if you're a non-comedian. We'll be right back. heads up on things that are coming around the corner of course tomorrow the bible study expo over at biblestudyexpo.com next week writer's training how to craft a powerful devotional don't miss that it's going to be right here on blog talk radio and then money training the week after that your new money mindset author training comes after that word that hurts word that heal and then event planner training casting vision and time management after that the seven keys to starting a profitable business and we are always here for you every wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on Blog Talk Radio, and you can catch the archives anywhere you like at iTunes, Stitcher, or around the web at the other syndicated stations. Lori, Lori, welcome back to you, and welcome back to you listeners. We're excited to have you with us this afternoon for incorporating humor into your speeches, and we have just learned how to woo our audiences, and now it is time <laughs> to understand the role of humor in taking a talk from good to great. And, you know, I mean, we all have to go back to, you know, um, the sound of music, you know, and to, uh, like, uh, Mary Poppins, a little, you know, little sugar yes. makes medicine go down. And, you know, how, how music has been, we are all, we all know that music uh, can help. We all know that humor can help. But maybe give us some really specific reasons why we've got to consider it. Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, I I believe it puts your audience at ease and makes them willing to listen to you. Um, you know, sometimes people come to these events and they don't know what to expect. Maybe they got dragged there by Aunt Harriet. You know, oh, you have to come hear this speaker. And I I think it's important to put them immediately at ease. And I do believe that it keeps them alert. Uh, you know, you're you're talking to them for an hour or so, uh, and it just opens their hearts to hear what you have to say because if you tell them something nice, I think people are more willing to hear something harder down the line uh, when when you need to deliver the tougher stuff that uh, they need to hear or that they, you know, the messages that 
may affect them on a different level, I think humor really opens the door for that. And there's a lot of ways of thinking about it. Humor is a hook, obviously. Um, but I think the thing we need to be careful about, and I, and I think what happens when I see some speakers just, their idea of using humor is to just throw a joke in, in the beginning. Um, right. And that's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it ha- it can't be random. It it just it has to be totally connected to your message, and I think we all need to work hard to find that connection. Um, you know, really think about it when you're preparing a talk. To what can I what what is funny that I can use to put this audience at ease about this topic and you can pretty much always find something um if you if you're just picking something random uh, your audience is going to see through it you're going to bomb there's nothing worse <laughs> i always think you of stand up comedians and i think oh these poor people oh, you know yeah. when no one's laughing yeah, yeah no kidding <laughs> Before and, I, and we're going to go into the ground rules for non-comedians right now because it's important. But even before you do that, and I was going to save this to the end, but I feel like it's important to address it right now because somebody's listening and they've been giving talks for a long time and they've never used humor and they've mm-hmm. never really thought it was appropriate to use humor. And, of course, there are times when it wouldn't be appropriate to use Correct. humor. But is I said that you're going to give us a bonus. Does God like funny? And I'd like you to give us that right now because – Honestly, I think that this is a sincere question that some people have. You know, is God really okay with us mixing, you know, heaven and hell issues with humor? Yes. Um, I absolutely believe that he is. Uh, I, I think that, I think that God, well, I think we all know of examples of God using humor in our lives. Like, ha-ha, that was funny, Lord. Yeah, right, <laughs> I got the right, message. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've all, we've all had those, those circumstances. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll give you a little example of my own. And I, I did some rather – I have used some rather unconventional methods. Um, and, and I'm only mentioning this. In my book, I show this – I actually embody God and Satan – in the spiritual battle behind the scenes for Supergal. So, you know, and one of the ways I do that and what I have gotten feedback from is the, that the readers and the audiences appreciate it. I may have Supergal doing something. She says something really silly. And then I, in the next paragraph, God raises one eyebrow or, you know, he shakes his head or he slaps his forehead. And sometimes I can actually picture that. You know, I think we can. <laughs> we all do something ridiculous. Um, and and I can just, you know, I can just picture God saying, are you kidding me? That's what you got out of that? Um, and I also embody Satan in the story and, uh, and, and how they uh, are fighting a spiritual battle. So... I do think it's okay. I, I think it's okay. I think God God creates humor, obviously. We wouldn't have it if he hadn't created it. But, you know, there are a lot of words in Scripture that talk about God rejoicing and God delighting and God 
enjoying. And I do think um, it's something that I can see him taking great delight in humor. And one of the one of the little stories that I read, and this was by um, an article by someone named Robin Gallagher Branch, and she's speaking of a there's a conversation between God and Moses in Exodus that sort of points out um, God's sense of humor. And to me, it sounded like a conversation between a comic and a straight man. And, you know, Moses comes down from the mountain and the people of the idols and they're misbehaving like crazy and they're all out of control. And God tells Moses that the misbehaving Israelites, he calls them, God calls them your people to Moses. (laughs) And then Moses, right. And then Moses says, why should your anger burn against your people, Lord, the ones you promised to make as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I'm I'm picturing them sort of going back like a little Henny Youngman, take my people, please. Neither one of them wanted them <laughs> at that point. Right, right. You know, they're all, both, both God and Moses were saying, no, it's your people. No, it's your people. So I think if you really read, if you really are studying scripture, I think you'll see a lot of those instances um, where where that type of conversations going on with just a wee bit of imagination can turn into a con- funny conversation. Um, and so I just see that as something that he enjoys. And, and if anyone had seen my original manuscript, there was nothing funny about that manuscript. It was rather sad. Huh. So, and, you know, by by adding what God's reactions to what I was doing, and, of course, huh. there was a point behind that, too, towards the end. Sure. But it just, um, again, brought it down to that level of making people feel at ease and you know and even people who may not be um christians or may not have a deep relationship that they can say well yes it's it's okay to laugh it's okay to have fun um you know particularly since i'm poking fun at myself um so you know and i think we can all see the humor of that i i love that god thinks i'm ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and i I think about I think about the the verse that says the joy of the Lord is our strength and there was a, a preacher not too long ago that said to us so then therefore if you don't have any joy what do you have no strength mm-hmm. and I think all you have to do is look at the animals just look at the animals and then you'll know that even some of us people are really funny and you know that God yeah. created us yeah. that way and we don't like to laugh at each other but if we look at the animals some of them are hilarious I mean if you just yeah. think about how they're built I I fed a giraffe not too long ago and I mean that thing is insanely crazy looking right. and you know humongous <laughs> tongue and you know I mean who who could think of something like that just That's he right. has to have a he has to have a little fun in him somewhere. So exactly. Let's go ahead and talk about some rules then. If you're not a comedian and you're not trying to be a comedian, you're just trying to add some humor to your speeches, what are some ground rules? Yes, and that's that's important. Don't try to be a comedian. That's my number one rule. No, it's um I think the <laughs> It's really hard. I mean, it's hard to it unless hard. you are a comedian and you're going to stand up and do uh, you know, a whole routine and you know there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you are there to entertain, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I love it. 
but um, one of the things I, I always try to do is I, I want to know my audience. I have a tendency to, to use a lot of um, old-timey expressions, and, you know, they, they, they actually come out funny, but if you don't know the age range of your audience, that type mm. of thing could be totally lost on them. So if, if I <laughs> right. walk, yeah, you know, if everybody's 25 or 30 and they, they you know, they haven't heard of, of some of the old-time expressions. So I, I always try and get an idea of who is going to be in my audience. Now, that doesn't always work because sometimes it's very mixed. But I think you can pretty much get an idea sure. um, mm-hmm. of what you're looking at. So that, to me, is um, the first ground rule is know who's going to be there. And the second ground rule is, um, above all, do no harm, because you know yeah. we, we we it's a really touchy um, place to be. So we need to be careful um, not to offend. And I I know that our listening audience knows this. And if you can just forgive the Captain Obvious for a minute, but it's you know there's certain taboo subjects. Obviously, we all know what they are, except for religion. I mean, that's we have to talk about that one. That's, that's what we're talking about, but. You know, you kind of avoid what I call the O-Nos, the the politics, the race, the sex, the um, the hot potatoes that you get into, um, that comedians can get into, and those of us who are not necessarily comedians need to be um, really careful about. Um, and we think of the obvious groups, but we may not think of things like hair color. This is coming from a blonde. <laughs> Or body types, you know, some things may seem innocent when you write them down for the first time. But, um, and I'm, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is because I'm one of those people that have been guilty many times of going for the laugh. And, and occasionally it has been at someone else's expense and I didn't intend it that way. Um, you know, and then you give the just kidding. <laughs> because I got a laugh. But <laughs> I just, yeah, you know, and it's really hard right. to read this. Yeah. You know, Let when me you just have... inter- interject here, too, uh-huh. because, you know, you said it so obviously it doesn't need to be stated hardly. But honestly, I think that the easiest ways for comedians of any kind to get a laugh is, number one, to play any kind of sexual card. Because yeah. what happens is we have a natural modesty about us, and if you can strip that away, you're going to get a laugh because we're just yeah. uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean you should. And the other time that you get a laugh is when you poke fun at someone's weakness. Yeah. And again, the laugh is not coming because you were so funny. The laugh right. is coming because you were embarrassing someone, and yeah. we're feeling weird about that. And so I think it is it it should be obvious, Lori, but I'm not so sure it is. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I mean. Like you can you can think it sounds innocent. Oh, that's I'm not a, you know that's I'm not really saying anything bad right. about someone. So right. I'll tell you one of the what I do, you know, which is safe. And and oh, just before I get to that, sarcasm is the other. I yeah. I personally love sarcasm, but many people don't. And even in my own house, I have to be very careful about that. So, you know, I still will use sarcasm. It is always self-directed, you know, if mm. I'm referring to myself a little bit, you know, it, because I don't want to make – I don't want to – you never want to 
direct humor at yourself that's going to make your audience uncomfortable either. Right. You don't want them to right. that you don't want to start beating yourself up on stage. Nobody wants to witness that. Um so a little bit, you know, a little a little funny poke at yourself. Maybe, you know, perhaps the singing nobody does it better was a little poke at myself. Um so you do have to be careful about that. Uh, a lot of people don't like don't like sarcasm, um, and just you know, right, if, if you're not sure about something you're you're going to use in a speech, run it by some people because, I you know, again, you, sometimes you don't think you're going to be offensive, and it just is. Um, you know, you're embarrassing them um, for one for one reason or another, um, and then some of the do's of of humor. Um, and I always say, I mean, keeping humor true to yourself is the best way to use it. It's going to be genuine. It's going to be authentic. And it will be funny because now they've gotten to know you a little bit. Um, and it, it just will make it funnier if they know your story, they know your message. They, The audience wants to know who you are if you've uh, gotten to the point with them, if you've gotten into the deepening relationship with them, they want to get to know you. And and I think, you know, keeping the humor true to you and your story will do that effectively. Um, and I guess a good way to define, you know, if you were to ask a bunch of people, well, what what is your sense, of, what kind of humor do you like? Um, some may be able to answer that. I've... Um, you know, I kind of – I'm a picky laugher, believe it or not. You know, I, I, I really am. I'm really picky. I can be watching television or a movie that's supposedly funny, and my husband will just be laughing and laughing, and I'm just staring at him like, what? What are we, what are we laughing about? So, um, you know, I'm kind of a picky laugher, but I'm not – I guess it's the subtle humor that I'm not into. You know, maybe I, I get, maybe I'm not that smart. I don't know, but I like one-liners and have been known to laugh at somebody falling down a staircase from time to time. So you know, some physical comedy can make me laugh, believe it or not. But one of the ways that you can figure out what your sense of humor is is, you know, what makes you laugh, right. um, because that's the that's what's going to work for you when you're speaking you know, copy that kind of humor when you're when you're speaking. Um, and I don't know if this is a good place for a little advice that I learned when writing, but if you're not quite sure what you think is funny or if you're sort of all over the place, when I decided to write my book, so many people told me over and over the best way to learn how to write is to read. Right. And the, the same is true with comedy. You know, listen Listen to comics, listen to, um, you know, funny DVDs and things like that and find out what really touches you and find out how you can incorporate something like that. Um, you know, the, to learn about dialogue, about timing and and structure. And, you know, if you sit down and really look and say, what do I think is funny, you learn about pacing and you learn about pausing, and you learn about setting up a punchline, um, because all of those things make a difference 
you know, you can you can read a line on a piece of paper, and it's all going to be about how you deliver it. Um, and then the other one of the last things, one of the last rules I have like that is, is there someone in your life? And I'm pretty sure everyone has someone in their life that thinks I'm funny. I, you know, I have somebody in my life that thinks I'm funny. And so I look at that and I, and I say, well, you know, who can I make laugh daily? And this is for the people who have not practiced, you know, having a lot of humor in their in their speeches. But there's always somebody in your life who thinks you're funny. And then try and figure out what that is. Is it your facial expression? Is it your gestures? You know, what's making them laugh? And if you can put your finger on that, I think you can figure out how you can weave that into your speaking. You know, there's something yeah. that's something there that you can dig for and find that's that you can do well. Um so to cool. Yeah, so cool. This is Marnie Sweberg. We're visiting today with Lori Henson of the supergalsyndrome.com. We're going to come right back and talk about the four key types of humor to use and your humor toolbox nuts and bolts. We'll be right back. Today's womenspeaker.com focus and feature is on speaker Sheila Luck of Scandinavia, Wisconsin. I didn't even know there was a Scandinavia, Wisconsin, but that sounds perfect. Anyway, Sheila is one of over 1,000 speakers available to you over at womenspeakers.com. She has six topics available as well as a couple reviews there, four reviews, and you can learn more about her over there. Um, also, you can connect with any of the speakers at womenspeakers.com with no middleman, no waiting, no fees, completely free for you to search anytime, day or night. And it's all available to you over at womenspeakers.com. If you are a speaker, feel free to join us. There's both free and paid listings available. And if you are a planner, uh, join the thousands of planners who visit womenspeakers.com all the time and find their speakers there. We are visiting today with our guest, Lori Henson of the supergalsyndrome.com, talking about incorporating humor into speeches. Lori, we're coming down toward the end of the hour here, and what do we want to do next is talk about four key types of humor that we can use in our talks. Yes. Well, I'm going to bring up that word again that's in my <laughs> the types of speech, and that is relatable humor. Um, for me, that's what I find um, works for me, but there's humor in our everyday lives. I, you know, all of us. Um, like I said, I have the ability to laugh at my own, I call it ridiculousness, my husband calls it ridiculosity, or my own <laughs> absurdity in the things, <laughs> the things that I do each day. Because if you really look around at every day, is funny. Why do we do that? Why do we think that? And, it, you know, it takes some practice to start seeing these things. Somebody says something, take a note, you know, make a little recording about it. And then if you see that you're noticing life's, absurdities, then you can bet other people are doing the same thing. And I think our commonalities are a great breeding ground for humor. You know, particularly with women, we have our busy schedules. We've got the insanity of motherhood. We deal with crazy coworkers and bosses every day. And, you know, so many things in life that we cope with. And finding common ground or relatable humor I think is a wonderful way to introduce humor 
into your message. You know, right. it, it's similar to the to the raising of the hands. Um, embarrassing things. Now, again, not overly <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> not the kind that would make anybody cringe. But, you know, just some silly things that, that you do. And even if it happened to somebody else, it's okay to use that as your own story. Uh, you know, as long as you're not saying, and this happened, uh, as, as you're, if you're not up there trying to relate a true life experience. But when you're using humor, I think it's okay if you hear a story to to do that. Um, so that's that's kind of a relatable humor. The and the other thing I like to do is um, not be afraid to use popular cultural references. Um, or common slang or expressions. I do that a lot. Um, you know, the like a booyah thrown in here or there, or, you know, things that they hear. They might even hear their teenagers say it. So, you know, you saying it is kind of goofy, which is okay, depending <laughs> depending on where you're throwing that in. Um, and one of the, to give you an example, one of the things that I always say, I'm, I'm trying to show that the world sees um, achieving women in a different way than God sees them. And so, you know, I mentioned that the world will really push women to be self-reliant and not God-reliant. And so one of the things I always say is, you know, you see the signs everywhere behind every successful woman is herself. She pulled herself up by her bootstraps. <laughs> and then I say, which is kind of out of left field, and nobody puts baby in a corner. So, yes, we're going back to the 80s for dirty dancing, but, you know, the younger women in the audience, the 30-somethings, all immediately recognize that reference. And so, you know, now I've I've brought them in on that one. So I think joking about what you know and what you've lived is really effective. Um, the other thing, the other type of humor that I particularly enjoy is using story for humor um, because we want to use our stories to drive home God's story and we all know how God feels about stories that's that's primarily how he he how Jesus taught um, how preachers preach uh, so many things we hear and you can use your stories from your own life uh, or you can use stories from somebody else's life it can be a story you read. It can be a story you heard. And, again, I think it's okay to personalize it. Uh, I remember the time when or someone was just telling me a story the other day. So when you see those things, grab onto them. You know, you may not. it may not be something you're going to incorporate in this speech that you're working on, but somewhere down the line. Um, and, and I hear a lot of pastors use stories. I know my own particular pastor will use them frequently. And I like them because they work. They work for me. I like to hear a funny story um, that drives home a point. The other humor is the visual and audio type of humor that I appreciate so much. Um, it's personal to me, but I, I do think that visuals are personal to everybody. And I and I think all of us, no matter what we're speaking about, can benefit from finding really good visuals to emphasize something that they want to say. Uh, you know, so on-screen graphics, if I start to mention Supergal, I might throw up a picture of a, a, a mom wearing a cape. Um, you know, quotes, 
one of the other things that I do, I carry a heavy chain. <laughs> I silly stuff. <laughs> I, I like go in there where I have to back up the U-Haul truck for all my props. But, you know, I, I might use a chain and I have a sound effect of a, of uh, Jacob Marley dragging the trainer, chain around Scrooge's bedroom. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of those visual and audio aids, I think, really bring an audience into the story and can really be humorous. Um, you know, my, my I have a very theatrical bent, but there are lots of things. Uh, I, I know that when a speaker shows up with uh, a big bucket of water and some balls and sponges that he's using. I'm paying attention because I want to see <laughs> what he's going to do with that to right. drive home his point. And there's there's just a whole bunch of fun stuff like that um, that you can do. And the visuals to me just um, really keep really keep an audience engaged. And another way you can do it, they can be humorous. But they can also you can also use visuals even when your message isn't humorous, and I think it's a way like humor to have the audience relate to you. You might uh, I've seen a speaker with a, a beautiful quilt that they made with scripture on it, right. and they right. you know they bring the the quilt to speak um, about her life story, and I, I do think that that. Uh, is important. So that that type of thing drives home both the humorous and the and the serious points in your message. And lastly, just touching on them quickly, I think that analogies and metaphors and simile are very effective in speaking um, because they a good analogy really paints a clear picture in the listener's mind. Um, you know, and I don't know if we have time to go into the difference between analogies and metaphors and similes, but I do think everybody recognizes what they are, um, and that it it really it really helps for the audience now to paint their own um, mind picture of what you're saying. One of the things that I one of the lines that I tend to use is I was you know, saying how I was never going to fall in love with anybody and I didn't want a relationship. And, you know, I was very vocal and adamant about it. And one of the lines I said is that my resolve to fall in love again melted faster than a linen suit on a menopausal woman in August. And everybody (laughs) can immediately conjure up that picture. You know, oh yes, it melted. <laughs> you know, that that resolve wow. definitely melted. So, you know, that's just one of the um one of the ways to do that is really come up with some brainstorm some analogies and metaphors because it it, it really helps to drive a point home. I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, this hour has flown by. Lauren, thank you for joining us. Wow. You are Great so welcome. Stuff. Yeah, and you guys need to go over and check out her website, thesupergalsyndrome.com. And uh, you'll find everything over there, including her book, Supergal versus God. And also, she's available as a speaker and uh, to your group as you need her there from womenspeakers.com. Lori, thanks so much. You have a wonderful day. You're very welcome, Marnie. God bless. Thank you. And thank you guys for being here. Can't have a show without listeners. So always so grateful that you come and hang out with me on Wednesday afternoons. And for those of you who join us at the archives or around the web later, thank you for your participation. And for those of you who host us on your sites, 
Thanks for that, too. You can always download a show box right from Blog Talk Radio, or you can find us on Stitcher and iTunes. Until next time, have a great day and a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.